probably more interesting. My block exploded. Oh shit! I forgot about that. It did. That was that was just pretty recent, huh? The building that blew up it was about five blocks away from me. It was a huge vibration and all this noise and everything, and it woke me up. I literally just thought it was a garbage truck. I was like, oh, it's a garbage truck. I'll go back to bed. Get up about two hours later, and then I look at my cell phone, and there are all these texts asking if I'm okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking okay. Everything's fine. Like, why is everyone freaking out? <laughs> so... Nobody, nobody gave a shit yesterday. <laughs> no one gave a shit yesterday. I, I go to the bathroom, I do my morning thing, and I walk in and I turn on the television, and then there's the news, and it's like this building over on uh, on Park Avenue exploded, and I'm like, oh shit, it's like right here. No wonder people are asking if I'm all right. And then I go outside, and the I started hearing the helicopters kind of before I knew it. This is how slow my brain is in the morning. Like I, I heard all these helicopters, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, whatever. They're fucking helicopters. It's New York City, whatever. Go outside, see all these helicopters, these fire trucks blasting up and down the street. Uh, every form of anyone you can imagine. I think they had um, ATF on the scene. They had ambulances, all this kind of stuff, just racing back and forth. And um, the most vehicles you see, though, are like the black kind of undercover cops. So you see them racing every which way. And I walk over kind of to my parents' house because they're closer. I wanted a closer view, but I also had to pick up a package from Enemy Slime, which would be the Thief book. So I go there, spend my morning getting the package for Enemy Slime, and then I just go look, and you can see this huge fucking black cloud just kind of coming down the street, and it's coming, um, you know, it's blowing west. It's blowing towards me, and smell. it smells like a fucking giant barbecue, only awful and industrial and all this other stuff, and I'm good. I'm sure a bunch of good shit no one should be breathing. It's not a good place to live. <laughs> that was that was way more exciting than anything that's happened to me. Uh, pro- probably in twenty seven years or so. This yeah. is the Enemy Slime Podcast episode twenty eight. I'm here with Jared mm-hmm. and Jay. Hello, and that's it. That's everybody. Small yeah, roster I today. I didn't explode. It's a ri- original Coke. Yeah, this is original, original Coke with no calories. If you can remember that far back. <laughs> Yeah, if you're not 12. We're getting up there, man. 28. Well, Goddamn. you got to die someday. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm feeling if I wasn't feeling it before, I certainly am now. We, did we have any interesting news this week? I don't really think it's been kind of slow so far. I mean, GDC is oh. going on right now, but I, I don't know about either of you two, but I haven't heard Jack coming out of it that was really of, of note. Mm, just a lot of people on Twitter saying, hey, I'm at GDC. It's pretty cool here. And then that was it. Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus is it is it is a neat place to be. There's cool but people. Sometimes when they do it, you know, there would be the, like big announcements and, and stuff like that. But it feels like it's, it's kind of scaled tame. back it's like, a little bit. Ah, it's real swell here. That's it. I, oh, I did see one thing that was kind of interesting today. Uh, not so much for me because it's not really my thing, but I just thought it was of note. Uh, the Diablo 3 auction house uh, went down today finally. Yep. Good riddance. Um, good riddance to bad rubbish. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing because for some reason that launch Diablo 3 was overly reliant on the auction house because obviously they wanted to skim off the top for the the money half of the auction house. Uh, but eventually it just got bad for the game because at the point where you're spending more time on the auction house buying items than you are in game playing, it causes a bit of a problem. I admire that they got rid of it um, because I, I feel like that's pretty... It, it, at least for me, it feels like a pretty big thing to to drop out of the game. Like it felt like a really big part of the game, and to to just completely remove it, especially because it was a money maker too. 
Um, and so I, I think that's a real, that's a, that's a good gesture to people to take it out. I don't know if doing it two years later means as much, but uh, I, I think it's, it's a nice gesture. It's nice for them to be like, look, this was making us a ton of money, but we know that it's hurting the game. And so we're going to go ahead and, and get rid of it. I, I admire that. It's the first of many good changes that are making me think that I'm I'm thinking before I even play the expansion, it's probably going to score highly. Good. Which will ease the pain of all the Diablo 3 players who haven't picked up the game in like 300 days, of which I have some people on my friends list who it says they haven't signed in in like 200 or 300 days mm-hmm. for good reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that, uh, like I said, I think that was the only really super newsworthy thing that happened. But I'll tell you what else happened is fucking March, man. It's uh, it's games galore because uh, within the span of two weeks, we had what Titanfall uh, landed. Uh, we had Ground Zeroes. Oh. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, oh, did you catch that? We had uh, we had Ground Zeroes. We had Dark Souls 2. I'm missing one. What else is there? There's something else that came out. Um, maybe that is it. Never mind. Fuck you, March. You're not that impressive. Nope. And uh, new infamous at the end of this week. So that fast, huh? Uh, yeah, I think it's. I, I want to say it's Friday. Is it? Is it? Does it constitute news that Watchdogs now looks shitty? We, we should. We could probably talk about that a little yeah, bit. I haven't actually watched the latest Watchdog stuff though. I should specify. Um, it probably always looked shitty on what they hadn't shown us yet. <laughs> Well, and so what I think a lot of people are forgetting is that uh, they've said from like day one that the the lead device that they were developing for uh, was the PC. Like this, this was kind of a PC game from the get go, and it just so happens to be you know ported to every single other system humanly possible. And uh, I always feel like if you're going to port to that many devices, I I, I think that it's just kind of you know bound and determined to have problems along the way but we finally saw some playstation 4 footage from it and uh it it looks it looks kind of crappy it looks kind of like gta 5 i would say i think it's on par (laughs) well i mean i like gta 5 yeah but i I just mean you know for 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 the hardware that's supposed to be running it it just looks like uh, nothing really there's nothing new here it's just last gen graphics in a way i guess if that's what they had to do to lock it at 60 frames or whatever the the rationale behind it is then fine but i'll bet you this thing launches and it ain't 60 frames matter of fact do we have any word on that let's see 30 frames per second on xbox one and playstation 4 so looking like that huh <laughs> not only does it not look very good but they weren't able to get it above 30 well uh, at least they tried Bless their hearts. I yeah, they're they're not even they're not even going to attempt it. And you know what? To be fair, I don't I don't know how challenging uh, that actually is. It looks like uh, for resolution that's downgraded as well. Um, it's going to be nine sixty p on Xbox One, and it looks like ten eighty p on PlayStation Four. So, well, luckily for a game like this, it's not focused on you know all those beautiful lush colors that we know from chicago <laughs> it's it's more of like a it's it's going to be a fun game regardless of what what system you played on oh yeah and i'm not yeah. i'm not saying it's going to be you know like a garbage game or anything i, I think it's still probably going to be uh you know a pretty exciting like I, i'm still thrilled to play it and i probably will play it on one of those ugly ass consoles even though 
I have a perfectly reasonable PC that could have it too. Um, I just, it's, it's kind of my go-to usually. So I'll probably pick See, it up on PlayStation four or something like that. You know, what's been, you know, it's been bugging me lately and I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there and see if you guys agree at all with open world games. Right. And infamous is kind of like one of my favorite series, but this even applies to infamous. It starts to bug me after a while when they're like, no, indoor locations to these open world games Mm -hmm. like everything is just purely outdoors even though there are like tons of city buildings and all that around you can't enter a single fucking one of them i feel like um gta 5 at least did a little bit of a better job with that but man it annoys me so much and i really noticed it because i was playing fucking metal gear ground zeros today and after a while it's painfully obvious that the whole thing is outside even when you're going inside. You're still like outside. There, there are no indoor locations. It just I don't know. Well, there's not Maybe a good, my... there's not a good reason not to have indoor locations because you know you'd you'd theoretically load into a completely isolated space where the game would run perfectly fine because it's not connected to the outdoors in any way. Well, but I think if you I think if you do uh, have indoor spaces, then one of the concessions that you have to make is you probably are going to have to shrink your uh, your outdoor area. And I feel like with open world games, I feel like a big like goal or, or milestone that they have is being able to brag about how huge it is and being like, oh, this is five times the size of the Grand Theft Auto 4 map. Or um, I, rem- I remember when Assassin's Creed 3 came out and they're like, the frontier, guys, the frontier is as big as all the maps in Assassin's Creed 2. And they left out the part where there's not really much to do in the frontier. Um <laughs> But see, even see, Assassin's Creed is another series where it's painfully obvious because you you take Edward or you take um, Connor to a house, and what do they do? They just run right through the house, and they're back outside. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I think that's great. <laughs> Oddly, The Elder Scrolls is like the only series that I can think of off the bat that actually uses all of that empty space that would be housing with unlo- unopenable doors in other games, where you can actually go into all the buildings. Yeah, Elder, yeah. Elder Scrolls is a good example. Um, I mean, Im- imitators to the Elder Scrolls are usually pretty good at it. Like, uh, if you guys remember Kingdoms of Amalur. Uh, yeah, there's that. See, that's the other thing. I'm also playing uh, Deus Ex again. And, you know, it's a lot of loading, uh, human human revolution. And it's a lot of loading, but at least I can go in places. You know, I'm not just stuck on the streets all the time. See, but it's not a very big world. Uh, it's not. It's not. But I, I don't know. I feel like they're. I feel like it's one of those restrictions that we need to kind of start breaking out of. And I feel like Grand Theft Auto Five gives you a kind of nice enough mix of indoors and outdoor stuff to make it feel more consistent and not like you're trapped in this horrible outdoor playground where you never get to go inside anywhere. No, I, I agree. I, th- I think it's kind of a, it, it definitely like, especially for something where the whole point is to kind of feel immersion uh, to then not be able to go inside any buildings kind of just cancels that out immediately. You walk you know up to I mean? a building and then the door is like textured onto the wall. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and so like you know, you you feel like you're part of this world, but then you go somewhere, and well, you you try to go anywhere, and and it doesn't let you in. So. And as, as a child well, who was forced to go outside all the time, and I didn't want to, it, it <laughs> horrifies me. Well, I mean, I, I and I'll tell you why, why why I'm bringing this up now, but after especially after the mention of uh, Watch Dogs, it's because I am playing Ground Zeroes, right? And it made a big point of me breaking into a prison. And I broke into the prison just to realize the prison was still fucking outdoors, right? You know, it's now, like one consistent world, but it's like painfully obvious when you're doing a kind of prison break scenario and you're still outside and it's raining. 
I'll tell you what I want is I want like a Grand Theft Auto game where you can go into, you know, ha- cut the world in half and then take that half that you cut off and spend the time making internal uh, or interior assets. And I want to be able to walk into anybody's house and just like scare the shit out of them on their couch. Like they're just watching TV and in I walk and uh, I don't even do anything. I just explore their house for items. Uh, well, you they, should really play Stick of Truth then, because that's what happens. Is that what happens? You just walk into strangers' houses. Yeah, and they're usually it's usually some sex act that they're in the middle of, and they're they're like they look at you like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, and they usually slam their doors, so it's kind of a cheat, but uh, it acknowledges it at least. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So, um, you say you you use the vocabulary playing Ground Zeroes. But I don't know that that's accurate anymore at this point. Wouldn't we change that to uh, the past tense of played Ground Zeroes? <laughs> I, I played Ground Zeroes. Yeah, that's that's more accurate. Oh, man. So where do I even fucking start with this one? Uh, it, sh- it, should be, it should be fresh on your mind because <laughs> it's fresh on my mind. You just played the beginning of the game like an hour ago. I, yeah, I know. I, 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 I literally picked up the package at five. You know, I let it install or whatever. I started playing at like 7.30, and then I beat it by 8.30, maybe, if it even took me that long. So that, that and, means the, the install time is like 60% of the game's length. Oh, and don't forget the credits. The credits are about as long as the core storyline. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like looking at this long-ass fucking credit sequence, and I'm like, they have... They have a lot of audacity with this one, a lot of nerve. It's like really, and and really, when I when I read about the playtimes online, because everyone's like, oh, it's about like the tanker chapter. It's even shorter than the tanker chapter. So, and when I when I read the playtimes, you know, I was thinking of other really short games I played, like Gone Home and Jazz Punk, you know, even Portal. And those, you sit down and think about it, and like it's short, but it's also like a really good game. And I was also thinking, since it's Metal Gear. You know, a ton of players are going to be better at this game than me, and I'm going to kind of fuck it up, so my playtime should be a little longer. And even with fucking up, I died six times, you know, and it took me a little bit to figure out the control scheme, and I alerted, I got, like, some, like, two or three enemy alerts the whole time I played. Uh, And even with all those fuck-ups, I still beat it in under an hour. Oh, my God. God. Wait, you really beat it in under an hour? So we're looking under, at like a half an hour, hour game. Because I, I had heard it, I had heard under two hours, but I hadn't heard anything no. that was <laughs> under an hour. No, you, there, there, there are there are uh, speed runs that apparently I don't watch any of them, but apparently the speed runs are beating them like five minutes. So you can go bake a chicken and you'll already beat the game. Let's yeah, see. then you're done. I'm gonna check out how long to beat and see what everybody's average is. So, well, let, let me let me let me let me tell you. Yeah. Um, the main mission, you're literally just saving uh, two prisoners, and it's the same exact setup both times. It's you find them, you take them uh, to the helicopter, and the t- helicopter lists them out. And uh, your two prisoners, you know, the first one, you can find him really easy because if you watch the fucking cutscene, you know exactly where to run to find him. You're like, this is the place I saw in the cutscene. This is where I'm going. Like, like the cutscene is kind of, um, it takes you reverse throughout the entire facility. And then it lands on a big boss, and then you take big boss, and you're like, well, I'm just going to do the opposite of what the cutscene did. You get to your first prisoner that you have to rescue, you save him. The other one's harder to find just because they won't tell you where that prisoner is. But, you know, you interrogate a guard, whatever, and they say, oh, they're locked in the old prison. And they're like, okay, so what's the only structure that looks like a prison on the entire fucking map? Oh, I guess it's that one, so I'm walking over there. 
and it's really easy to get along. There's there there's there there are no bosses. The puzzles, you know, there are no puzzles really. Um, it's there's really just a switch that you have to throw off, and that's it. I mean, that's the game. It's just taking these two prisoners, and I guess how much time it takes you to beat the game depends on how much time you're fucking around because there's nothing substantial to it. What about um, what about story beats? Like, if I'm a big Metal Gear fan and I'm pumped for the Phantom Pain. Is there something here that like I'm gonna miss that is super important? Or absolutely not, absolutely not. I mean, do you mind spoilers? Um, I'm actually gonna run out and play it, so I'd I'd kind of prefer to. Um... I don't know that I can spoil it. Have you watched the trailer? Well, so here's here's how the trailer goes, and this is I don't consider this spoilers. So the trailer is, um, it, it, it flashes in, and then uh, Master Miller or whatever is like Snake. Well, Paz is alive. And if, if Paz is alive, we need her on our side for some reason, because I don't really know. Um, and then and then you're like, I've, I'll find her and I'm Kiefer Sutherland. And then you like, you know, you find Chico, everyone's favorite uh, child. And Chico says, you, you say, Chico, where's Paz? And Chico says, Paz is dead. And then it, you know, cuts to a dramatic scene of you shooting a camera. And then the logo comes up. Oh, that's basically the entire storyline. That's a good half of it, I would say. And the other half of it, if you're not an idiot, you probably figure that out as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm no uh, I'm no expert on on you know plot structure. I'm pretty sure that Paz is probably not dead. Yeah, that's it. And is is probably <laughs> probably fine. Does she at least get in a giant robot and fight you? No, there are no there are no robots here. Like, why are you rescuing somebody who the last time you saw them got in a giant robot and fought you? Oh, she tried to kill you. She didn't just bite you. Well, I mean, it was a fight. You don't just you you can't really try to kill Snake. Well, I mean, so it's a it, they try to make it a big emotional reunion by having big musical swell swells and all that kind of shit. But um, I didn't understand it either. I was like, I was playing the game. I'm like, I I have no idea why we want her. You know, I'm I'm. I don't usually make it a point to find people that try and kill me, but whatever. The game's telling me I need her, so let's go find her. Uh, I find her, I get her back, and the game never explains why I needed her. So That's my, it. my next question is, this was always billed as a um, something that they wanted to put out because they wanted to allow players to gain familiarity with what they called their radical new game design. So they wanted, well, they wanted people to be able to become familiar with the the huge sweeping changes that they were making to the Metal Gear franchise. So my follow up question is: Was there actually something that like you needed to learn in this? Or I don't think there's anything from, here. from a from a gameplay perspective. Did you get to hide on the other side of a horse? I did not get to that hide. Ah, on when do we get to do that? I don't. Th- <laughs> I don't think there's anything in this game that they can't do with a fucking tutorial in phantom pain like i the, the game is utterly fucking pointless there's no point to this game existing it's like no one gave a shit what happened to paz or chico and the metal gear storyline got just got along just fine without them i really don't get it like i, I feel like i feel like guns of the patriots basically gave you the epilogue of every single character that was in the metal gear franchise save for the characters that were in peace walker right I, yeah i mean except for except for uh Paz and Chikorita. I don't know. Uh... For Paz and Chico. So this game is, well, here's what happened to Paz and Chico, and it wasn't 
really special and it wasn't really important. You know, and everything, this is why I don't feel like I can spoil it. I guess, I guess if it's a big deal, then I won't say shit. But it's like everything that happens in Ground Zeroes, you kind of assumed anyway. Let me put it this way. You assume something happens to Snake between the time that he's Snake and he's Big Boss in order to make him behave the way he does and do things like Outer Heaven. And quite frankly, I feel like that came to light in uh, Snake Eater. And then every game after that was just an attempt to over-explain that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I, it, it, it's uh, Ground Zeroes. It's just like another unnecessary addition to the pile. And in terms of the gameplay changes, um, it's, it's really just a lame excuse to sell box copies at, you know, a little over half price of um, what a full price game would, would give you. Because there's absolutely no reason that this can't be a tutorial. And it will probably still be a tutorial in Phantom Pain. See, and like I, I, th- I think of looking at like promotional materials and like we've been seeing Ground Zero's footage forever. And I always thought it didn't look all that exciting, but I thought Phantom Pain stuff looked great. And I still think that I still think everything I've seen from Ground Zero's is kind of like, OK, I'm in a camp. Neat. Um, and Phantom Pain is like, you're in a you're in a hospital and now the hospital's exploding. And oh, my God, now you're riding a motorcycle and there's a giant monster that you got to fight. And like, that's. That's exciting to me. I don't give a fuck about this camp. Yeah, and then the camp itself is pretty boring. I mean, it's a nice way to show off their uh, graphics engine, but it's like once you've seen one military base in a video game, you've seen all the military bases in a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, there's nothing interesting to see here. Um, the the gameplay, I want to say, it feels really good. Boss is a lot more fluid than he's been in other games, which is great because their control scheme is usually a little bit backwards. You know, the the action is a lot more first-person shooter, and I want to say in a good way, because it's not like, you know, there's a super ton of cover that feels like it's out of place. And it's like, oh, this feels like it's here to exclusively be part of cover. It all feels like it's a natural part of the environment. You know, stealth and action have kind of a nice interplay now, so you always kind of feel like you're active and mobile and fluid in terms of the stealth and sneaking. You can mark targets like you can in um, Splinter Cell or just recently in Black Flag, all that kind of stuff, so you can keep track of their movement. So there's a lot of really nice stuff there, but I don't think it was worth a fucking box video game or digital download, especially for the price that they're charging for this. Yeah. And, like, you know, I feel like a lot of people agree that the Metal Gear experience has a certain combination of things. So part of it is the story, and sometimes the story gets a little weird and a little convoluted, but I think a lot of people hang in there for the story. And I think part of it is kind of like stealth gameplay and all that, you know, but I think story is a big part of it. I think bosses are a big part of it. I think all the neat toys are a big part of it. You get something called the iDroid, which is, you know, your new map slash radar system. Um, But that's it. So I think it's all that stuff. I think that's the reason people play Metal Gear games. And given how paper thin all of that stuff is in the title, then I just say it's not worthwhile. How is... um... I mean, we can't we can't go without addressing the the other big change, which is uh, how's how's Kiefer doing? Uh, terrible. Really terrible. Terrible is how I would describe it. Just because I mean, it, just because it sounds wrong. Because like the trailer, it, 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 it feels it, a little wrong. It feels it, a little dirty. It's not just that it sounds wrong. It's that he does a bad job. Kiefer like, Sutherland like, isn't a very good actor. He, people just use him for his voice. You know the problem that I found. It's kind of like Final Fantasy Spirits Within, right? You watch that movie and you're like, oh man, this movie has a lot of great actors in it. I'm sure the acting will be great. And you go and it's so boring. 
And a lot of the times what I find the problem is that film and television actors can't do voice acting. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they just don't bring their all. They don't know how to do it. They uh, the direct the voice actor directors don't know how to direct them. And then you just get a flat, stale performance. Like, I don't know what your experience with Beyond Two Souls was, but yeah, that was my... it's not great. I've, yeah. heard, I've heard the problem is that with actors who are used to actually just flat out physical acting is they don't move at all when they're doing voice acting and they just kind of sit there just reading. Yeah. And that's the problem. The well, the, the second problem is when you're doing voice acting, like you, whatever you would emote normally, you have to like put three times the emphasis in it. And it, it just feels unnatural. It feels weird. It's, it's a little bit easier to, I imagine at least it's a little bit easier to drop into a, kind of an actor role when you're, honest on a set with a bunch of other actors and you're you know there's a stage and there's a building and you're you're dressed as the character and like it's probably a lot easier to jump into that than when like you're wearing shorts and sandals and you're standing alone in a booth it it feels a little it feels like it would be a little bit more difficult I, i remember matt stone and trey parker talking about having guests on and and how a lot of like good movie stars would have trouble because they didn't have the energy that was necessary you know, to actually do the voice acting. And, well, that's uh, well, that, that's the thing. It's all very different energies, and it's always hard to be able to translate that. I mean, it's the same thing between uh, theater and film. Like a theater actor isn't necessarily the best film actor. It's just it's because it's different mediums, and because you need a different kind of recording space and all that kind of stuff. And you know, when an actor goes and they do this stuff, they tend to focus in kind of one category. They don't spread themselves out, and you know, that's why whenever I see a video game that has like a big name actor like Kiefer Sutherland or, um, you know, Ellen Page or whatever, I get a little sketchy because it's like, uh, yeah, they're super talented. And I like, you know, or at least Ellen Pages and I like their films and all that kind of stuff. But I I don't know about them in a video game role because that's just it's just different, you know, and that's that's what happened here. Kiefer is like completely stale. Sometimes it feels like he just flat out flubs the line. And for some reason, they use that track of dialogue um maybe maybe they were paying him like by the hour and had to get him out of there (laughs) that could be it did he um because in the first footage i saw of him it seemed like he had kind of gruffed up a little bit his voice just to be like metal gear a little bit of like a batman kind of thing um but then the next the next time i saw him speaking was in the ground zeroes trailer and there he just sounds like normal Kiefer sutherland yeah he just sounds like normal Kiefer sutherland like hey guys i'm gonna go tackle that christmas tree yeah that's basically what it sounds like yeah, that's that's disappointing to hear. Let's yeah. um let's take a second and honor the 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 movie stars who have done uh good voice work in video <laughs> games. Sure. And I'll I'll start us off with uh Liam Neeson in uh in Fallout 3. Okay. I thought I thought that was pretty okay. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just being Liam Neeson, but you know, just yeah. being default Liam Neeson is enough to make people think that you've done a great job because he has a cool voice. <laughs> I guess it was because he was my dad and I always wanted him to be my dad. And so, uh, you know, it everything worked out. I've got another one to go. Uh, Keith David in Saints Row. <laughs> now, he is Keith David in yeah. Saints Row, right? But he is he, Keith David. isn't he also Julius? Yes, he's also Julius. I don't need that explained to me. It would have been I'd, very I'd... difficult for him to fuck that up. And so it's a good thing that he didn't. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Oh, you know oh. who, you know who's okay? Um, Patrick Stewart in, uh, Castlevania. He's in, uh, Lords of Shadow 1 and 2. He's, he's kind of like your, 
rival slash nemesis slash friend. But see, but see, but see, Patrick's one of those you know triple threats types. He does, he does, he does theater, film, and television, and video games, or not video games, and voice work though, because he's been in um, American Dad for a long time. Well, and it's a, it's another one where they called him in to like do the right thing uh, as, as far as the story goes. As a matter of fact, in Lords of Shadow, he starts out as the narrator, and right. just as he goes, you learn that he's tied to a character. And um, God, I mean, he's just he's a great narrator. Like I would, I would definitely listen to an audiobook read by Patrick Stewart. Well, I think everybody agreed that the biggest waste in gaming history was when they killed him at the beginning of Oblivion. Like, why yeah. would you do that in a game that's suffering from a lack of voice actors? Well, again, can't uh, can't afford. Uh, I'm I'm sure that it was just a matter of like it's probably a lot easier to get to get him to come in and be like, hey, will you record thirty minutes of dialogue? How about how about Samuel O. Jackson as Officer Tenpenny? Ooh, actually, that's a really good choice. And he, when I talk about how voice acting, you have to bring like a really heavy energy and a really high energy to it. I, I think Samuel L. Jackson is probably the perfect example of somebody who just inadvertently has that energy. <laughs> right. Whether they whether they knew it or not. Yeah, I guess Grand Theft Auto games are decent places for celebrities who, you know, maybe a little bit older see, they, to come back and sort of do a cool thing. Well, but you know what? You know what? The important thing with Grand Theft Auto is, though, is when they need voice actors, they know that and they actually get voice actors. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you look at the you look at the three protagonists in in GTA five and like you don't recognize any of them. Yep. Uh, And that's a great thing. Yeah. But that's that's, that's, well, you you recognize um, actually, I mean, I think the only ones that you recognize in any Grand Theft Auto game that I can remember is from vice city because you can't not recognize tommy versetti but um who but see that that's the thing they they kind of intentionally stopped the practice of using kind of a film and tv actors and grand theft auto like they actively stopped them especially for four and five They're like we need to find guys that don't look like anyone familiar don't sound like anyone familiar and we'll just start crafting our own universe here i think vice city was just the most fun in terms of them using celebrity voices like there was some guy who's like a fucking whack job and i think gary Busey did his voice and he was kind um, of fun to listen to dennis hopper was in vice city if i'm remembering right yeah as another person who was you know probably perfect for perfect for that i'm trying to think of uh what else there is you know you know what voice actor i want to see is a film actor uh who i want to see Troy parker He's the voice of um of Joel in Last of Us and of Booker in Bioshock. Oh, Baker, Troy Baker. I'm sorry, Troy Baker. I'm trying, I was thinking Tony Parker, the basketball player. We're sorry, Troy. We know you. <laughs> we know Baker. you're listening, Troy. We're we're sorry. <laughs> Troy Baker. I'm sorry. I want to see Troy Baker. He doesn't look anything like, you know, he's a pretty boy. Oh Honestly, boy, he he looks like he is um just like two chai lattes from ascending to hipster heaven. I I want to see. And how that voice plays out to his actual face. I don't know. I think it's I think it's gonna ruin some magic, most likely. I think it'll be interesting. Oh, oh, I got one. Although he's not really um he's almost more noted for voiceover work than than for film work, but uh Seth Green in Mass Effect. Yeah, Seth Green's good. That that he he did a good job. It worked. Um See he's another one that's kept another even split though. And you know, you get mad at um you get mad at uh, old Patrick Stewart for dying so early in Oblivion, but he does, to his credit, get replaced by uh, Sean Bean. 
Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> Who miraculously doesn't die, if I'm remembering right. I don't remember. I, I always exit the uh, main story as quickly as possible. Just forget about it? Yeah. Just go wander off into the top right corner, see what's <laughs> up there. Well, I mean, there are other voice acting atrocities that have happened in gaming, like the fact that the guy who does the voice of Hitman was not asked to do the movie because he looks just like Hitman as well as sounds like him. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's kind of annoying. Uh, well, I, here's another good one. How about every skater that's appeared in the Tony Hawk series? Do, have they, do they even have voices? They've done their own voices. They do, I don't know they do like people. the, ugh. Uh, uh, no, uh, no, they're uh, the actual... Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the actual skaters that are in the game, you know, so so Bam Margarita <laughs> is played by Bam Margarita. Uh, <laughs> all right, I knew I recognized those. <laughs> God, is that the real? Is that the real Bam Margarine? I think it is. Yeah, that is the real Bam Margarine. <laughs> I knew it. I had a feeling. Well, I um, I, I can deviate a bit because I I actually played a good game. Uh, this week, well, see, um, I don't want to give the impression that ground. See, that's where that's that's where I'm confused as to what to score Ground Zeroes. It's not that it's technically bad. You know, I really don't know because we've always said that we would try to consider price and factor it in when we talk about these things. Well, what is the price? I don't know what the price is. The retail edition, I think, is thirty. But nope. I want to say I want to say the download's twenty. <laughs> nope. 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 Yeah, I don't really know that That's, either of those no. are acceptable. You're, you're pay- okay, you're paying like a dollar a minute. You could get phone sex, and it would probably be better. Well, a lot of people have commented that there is um, like $15 DLC for other video games that is longer and That's better. Long. That <laughs> There's there's uh, anything you could download for Skyrim. There's any well, anything you could download for a Bethesda game, first of all. There's, um, you could get yourself the uh, would- season pass for uh, Saints Row. You can get yourself a season tap for Saint Row. You can get yourself season. You can get yourself uh, the Left Behind DLC. You can get yourself um, really a ton of shit. You can get a Far Cry Blood Dragon. You know, there's a there's a there's a ton of DLC that's actually better. There are some indie games that are better and longer. This took me a second. Somebody on the uh, PlayStation blog said there seems to be an error on the store. It says the demo costs thirty dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it took someone replying to him to be like. That is not an error. That's the correct price. And it's not a demo. But then I figured out what the comment was. Though I have played demos that are longer than that. Yeah, Yeah. actually, there are demos that are legitimately longer uh, than that. You you know what? Um, I mentioned it earlier. This is kind of unrelated, but uh, the Kingdoms of Amalur or whatever, Reckoning, that, that old game, it had kind of a really cool demo where it would put you into the game and it would put a timer on the screen and then when the timer ran out the demo was over but up and up aside from that you had not the full game but you had like a really sizable portion of it and then when you finished you could buy the game and then import your save from the demo and just pick up right where you left off i thought i thought that was pretty cool yeah it's kind of neat I think I've seen that before, but yeah, I don't know. I the same system. That's but. that's what most sandbox games have to do because you can't like they can't cut things off of the world. They just have to say, "Well, here, do whatever you think you can do in this time we've allotted you," and that's it. Yeah. Besides, so I mean, I yeah, I want you to get back to your game. I just want to say that it's technically sound. I think it's very pretty, and I think it controls well. But that's it, it is tough though because I don't know how you adapt that score because, like I said, the the price is. Uh, 
is an ever-changing thing. It's definitely not going to stay $30 forever. And it, you also have to take into account the people who have the means to just rent it. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll totally Redbox this. But see, I don't, I, I don't know that it's ever worth playing. I don't think it adds anything. It is, it, anything. It's, it's not worth the trip to Redbox, what? you're telling me? I, I don't think it adds anything at all whatsoever. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like what Jay's saying is that this is like a tragic waste of the developer's time that they could have spent. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a tragic waste of everyone's time. It was a waste <laughs> of my time. There's like nothing. We're all going to look stupid when we play Phantom Pain and there's no like helpful tips, you know, or, or like control instructions. <laughs> you want to buy the <laughs> tutorial for $30? Hope you played Ground Zeroes, but because we're not telling you how to play this one <laughs> right i guess i guess if 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 you really really fucking love chico and paz then you should go ahead and buy this game god when i think of metal gear that's all i think of is chico and paz the pazmeister <laughs> the paz the As pazmeister the old... pacifica ocean that's a spoiler by the way pacifica ocean huh pacifica ocean it sounds it, all of that sounds butimous i love it you, you never saw that part in peace walker Paz's uh, real name is Pacifica Ocean. Oh, that's her real name? Yeah. I don't think I remember that. Yeah. I remember fighting her in a really big robot. Well, she tells she tells you that just before you fight her. In oh. Big robot. She tells I, you. I was so tuned out by then because it, it just <laughs> it had just followed like the most boring fucking bullshit that they could have possibly crammed into the end of that game. Here, since you did since you did get to the boss fight with Paz or Pacifica Ocean. They do have a very emotional remix of her pop music from that game. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You know what? That's pretty in line with Metal Gear. So I'm I'm actually happy to hear that. Um, do you want, do you want me to tell you about my game? Do you yeah, play, tell us about your game. Does call, oh man, does it rhyme with dank sours? Dank sours? Uh, yes. Actually, never mind. That's not a rhyme. That's I wouldn't call it rhyming, but yeah, it I, has it has some of the same letters. Yes. Um, yeah, I've been playing Dark Souls 2, and um, I really, really, really like it. It's uh, when, I, when I played the original Dark Souls, uh, I played it on launch, and when it launched, From Software had a lot of problems with the online aspect of it. There were some kind of port issues that they had, and so like co-op was available, but it was very, very rare that I would see a sign uh, on the ground to summon somebody. Um, the, once I got to like the really high traffic areas where a lot of people were being summoned, then it kind of became a little more popular. And so like I used a co-op partner for probably the biggest boss in the game, which is Ornstein and, and Smo or Smog or Smo. But then other than that, I never really used it. I, you know, I, I checked the messages and, uh, and I never got summoned to do co-op, at least not to my recollection. I'd put my sign down, but nobody would ever do anything. I think I got invaded like one time and uh, then they released a patch. And by the time they did, I was already uh, almost to new game plus. And so I started it and there were fucking signs everywhere and like tons of co-op to be had and uh, a bunch of shit. And um, this game launched correctly, like right from the get go. Everything pretty much works aside from the first day it came out where uh, Titanfall effectively broke it. Um, but once they got the servers righted and everything kind of squared away, um, I'm summoning people left and right, getting co-op help. I'm going out and playing PvP matches and uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's a lot of fun when that online aspect works. And I'm actually probably a lot farther in the game right now than I would have, than I certainly would be if I was playing it by myself, uh, because 
God damn, some of these bosses are just so hard without, you know, two people to help you take them down. But it's it's very satisfying. So to give you an update on stuff that's new or stuff that's changed, the way that they're kind of going back a little bit and trying to incorporate some Demon Souls uh, aspects to it a little bit. Because a lot of people preferred Demon Souls to Dark Souls and vice versa. Uh, and so I think they're kind of trying to meet halfway in the middle and kind of take the best of both worlds. Uh, but the the big stuff that has changed is now when you die in, in Dark Souls, you died and you come back as hollow. And really your only punishment for that is you just can't uh, you can't summon co-op partners. And that's pretty much it. In Demon Souls, when you die, you come back as a, a hollow, but your uh, health is reduced by half until you go and recover your body. And uh, Dark Souls 2 kind of finds some middle ground there where when you die, you're revived. But every time you get revived, you lose like maybe 10% of your health, 10% of your maximum health. And uh, that bar will keep dropping down every time you die successively until it hits the 50% mark, um, at which case it, it can't drop down any further. And so like I spent a good portion of the early game just down at 50% health because I knew that there was nowhere to go from there and I, I didn't want to come back to life and then lose that bar again. It's kind of interesting. It's a it's an interesting play on it. And some people really like that model. Some people really seem to hate it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's other little difficulty tweaks where you can, if you die, you go and you pick up your, your life or your, or your soul or whatever and you get your experience points back. Um, in Dark Souls 2, you get all the experience back, whereas in the other games, you only get half uh, a return to you. But in this one, you get everything. Shit. I had another thing that I was going to say. Demon ladies? There are demon ladies. Uh, I haven't seen any boobies in this game yet. I guess oh. that's... I, I My understanding is that's why Dark Souls was rated M, was because it had boobies. Um, never boobies that you wanted to see, uh, but it did have... I, you don't know my fetish. There was that really enormous chick, you know. I mean, her boobs weren't out, but... This this one does have some. I walked. I took a wrong turn uh, to to a zone that I wasn't supposed to be in yet, and I encountered a uh, troll. And the troll has like this enormous nutsack that it's dragging around. Um, oh, that's fun. It kind of looks like like Randy Marsh in that episode where he where he gets the medical marijuana. So you took a mace and you hit him in the balls with it, and now he's dead. Yeah. No. I I did uh, I did kill it, but. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I, that might have deserved an M rating. I'm not sure. I guess. I mean, I don't know. If, if only if you can prove that it is in fact a nutsack. Ah, uh, I I guess they could probably make an argument for <laughs> for otherwise. There are a couple weird choices that they've made in the game. Like it, when you it used to be when you wanted to level up, you just sit at a bonfire and you level up. Um, but now when you want to level up, you actually have to fast travel to the original starting city. And uh, and talk to a lady there to level up. Um, and I, I just don't really know why they did that. I don't know why they're going to make me fast travel there. But at the same time, fast travel is now available to you right from the very first bonfire. Like you can you can fast travel right from the beginning of the game. And that makes the world feel a lot more accessible. Whereas Dark Souls, you, you could fast travel, but you didn't get it until a lot later. And uh, that kind of you were less inclined to go back to areas that you'd been to before. Whereas in two, 
I've been exploring a bunch of old places uh, that I that I hadn't been to before. I've also been more inclined to like run further ahead or visit a zone that I haven't been to yet because it's like, well, when I get a bonfire, I can just fast travel back to this place and, and work on it like I normally would. Oh, I remember the big thing. If you kill an enemy now, uh, I don't remember if it's 10 or 15 times, but after you kill an enemy a certain number of times... Uh, they stop spawning, and so it, it can kind of put a damper on on leveling up and and grinding to get through it. Because eventually, you'll just kill all of them, and there won't be any left. And you do have an option, which is to uh, burn an item at the bonfire that you're closest to, and that will restore all the enemies to the zone. But I guess it puts them in at the new game plus difficulty. And I think, true to Dark Souls spirit, I think the game is not very clear about telling you some of these things. And so I I can see some scenarios where you, like, really fuck yourself. Well, uh, yeah, you're running around with 50% HP with powerful monsters that you can't beat because you suck. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you sit there and, and power level, not power level, but you try to grind your level. The enemies, you know, stop appearing, and so you summon them back but double the strength a lot of people also got caught early in the game there's a covenant you can join that really doesn't tell you what it is um and when you join it it will disable co-op summons so you can't summon anybody and it makes all the enemies like two times harder and um one of the things that i adore about this series is how little it does say and it's your choice whether or not you want to use a wiki to navigate it or a guide of some kind but there's so much word of mouth stuff. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but it takes me back to like a day where you'd be out on the playground or something talking about a video game with people. And they'd be like, well, if you go and break this wall, you'll find a secret room. And you're like, oh, really? And you want to run home and try it. And this is kind of the same thing where like just by talking to other people who are playing the game, they're like, oh, did you know about this? And they'll tell you about this thing. And I don't know. It's a, it's a different kind of feeling. It's a feeling that I don't get very often anymore thanks to the Internet. It could almost be considered like cheap to just say, oh, they didn't want to put in the work. But they do have the soapstone messages, which which I think were used quite a lot in the Dark Souls. And, you know, people would always leave messages like, watch out, there's bad shit here. Yeah, and those are still there, too. Um, the one that I had never saw a soapstone for, and I'm sure that I probably just haven't seen the right ones, but there's a wishing well in the first map. And if you slap the counterweight if you hit the counterweight that's holding the bucket down um it'll pull up this this corpse and on the corpse is a really important item not really important but like a really nice upgrade item to have uh that you literally are getting from like the first map of the game and uh i i just found out about it because uh, another person that i was talking to who's playing it had, had told me to go and and do it and I don't know, like I said, it's just it's an old feeling. And even the messages kind of elicit that same thing. There's a this game, I think, gets less charming the older it gets and the more mapped out it gets because there's less of this like tribal knowledge and this, uh, you know, what does this item do? And, oh, I think it does this, but I don't know. And, you know, in, in the in the original Dark Souls, there was an item. I struggle to think of which item it was, but there was an item that you could pick as a gift in the beginning. And uh, everybody speculated as to what that item was used for and none of the guides said anything um the game itself didn't say anything and like years went by and eventually they found out that item just doesn't do anything yeah it's like some there, ring or something yeah there was a ton of speculation about what it could be or what it could mean 
And at the end of the day, it was just, it, it means nothing and it, it does nothing. And, um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's Dark Souls for you in a nutshell. Uh, the game still has a lot of its old tricks. Like you'll walk into an area and it'll drop in, uh, two enemies behind you or something like that. Um, and they've always been there. The game's very fair. It never seems to spawn somebody in who wasn't there before, but it loves just tucking guys like right around a blind corner. Well, and, uh, I will say sometimes it's not fair, but when it's not fair, it also doesn't kill you outright. So for instance, the very first time I played dark souls, you go up like this one flight of stairs and like basically the second your foot hits the stairs, this like huge cannonball just comes down and rolls right over you. (laughs) And it's like, well, that was a dick move. I mean, it doesn't kill you, but, you know, you have to get hit by it once before you realize from then on that it happens. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. goofy. It's like a slapstick moment almost. And some of those traps still exist. And, like, there are a lot of chests that are trapped. Um, I don't want to say a lot, but, like, there's at least three or four that I've encountered so far where you'll open the chest up and, you know, it'll fire, like, poison crossbow bolts out of it and... uh there are times when I've been having like a really good run and I'm doing great. And then I open the chest up and it just wipes me out completely. <laughs> and, uh, that's dark souls in a nutshell. But it's, it's the same thing where like, it's fun to get some of that knowledge from other people. Like I've had ghosts come in, uh, that I've summoned to help me and you know, they know that one of the chests is bad. And so they'll go and stand in front of it and make like the no sign with their finger so that I know not to open it. And I don't know, stuff like that's, pretty cool I, it, it's satisfying and the game is so good just like the original dark souls the game is so good at beating you over the head over and over and over again and just when you think you've had enough and you're like you know what fuck this i'm gonna go do something else with my life you'll get like it'll just it'll give a little bit like you'll get lucky and you'll kill this guy that you've been working on forever or um the first night i was playing i was just kind of having a tough go of it and i was like you know what fuck this <laughs> And I, I was at the bonfire where I was going to leave and I, I walked upstairs and I, I saw a locked door and I was literally so mad that I just went ahead and hit the door and I broke it down. Actually, there's no indication that you can break the door, but I just slapped it a couple times and it fell down and I went in and I got some amazing items from it. And uh, it was like just enough of a reward to make me be like, all right, let's keep going. It's kind of surprising. You'd think for some odd reason that Dark Souls is allowed to get away with this when it seems so important now in modern games that you have to explain everything in detail. You have to have a tutorial for everything. You need to outline everything that you can interact with with like a Mm -hmm. happy little green outline or something Yep, and let people know. But Dark Souls is just like tells you absolutely nothing. It's like it's like wandering the Lost Woods in, you know, Zelda for NES where you just have to walk in like a certain pattern to even get through it the the vagueness is really just the charm of it um and i i i feel kind of torn into there there, there's kind of one of two camps which is there are some people who think it's okay to use like wikis and guides and stuff like that to navigate the game and then there are those who feel like that's you know ruining kind of what's in the spirit of it and and uh uh, the the whole point is to be surprised by stuff and i i fall somewhere in the middle like i feel like if the game is going to pull every punch that it can and uh you know basically take every advantage that it has on you then i feel like it's only fair that you get you take the same advantages over it and i i will fully admit that there were some times in the original dark souls where i just flat out fucking cheated like there was a 
really popular uh, glitched spot where you could go and round up a bunch of mobs and you would guide them over to this cliff and the AI was glitched out and they would just sail right off the edge of the cliff, like right past you. And I did that a lot and just farmed some souls there. And I didn't feel bad about it at all because five minutes before that, the game had, you know, crushed me with a giant boulder. (laughs) And so I don't know. It's tough to it's tough to say if there's a right or a wrong way to play it. But I'm probably about 15, maybe 18 hours in. And uh, I've been having a great time with it. It's a lot of fun. I don't know. My feeling about it is if I'm if I'm stuck to the point where I'm not having fun, I'll go read a guide because I don't want to not have fun. So I might as well just get it over with and get past the part I'm stuck on. But then after that, I'll keep going on my own. I'm on three really tough bosses right now. There's a, a collection of them, basically. This this like gaggle of three guys. And um, I'm in kind of a little bit of trouble because I've leveled up so far that I'm I'm high enough that I'm out of the general population in the zone. And so I don't see a lot of summon signs because the game tries to keep your uh, ranking, you know, in tune with other people who are there. And so I feel like I've ranked up so high that I'm kind of geared towards the next zone, but I can't get past the one I'm in. And so I'm kind of in a rut right now. But again, every time I get pissed off or frustrated, you know, I go explore something else or I, I, I just I find something to make me keep going. It's a very it's a very satisfying but very punishing game. And I think that's all anybody probably wanted from it. And if you if you liked the original, uh, you're almost certainly going to like this. Uh, There's a little bit of controversy because the graphics changed from what we'd seen in all the tech demos. Uh, I still think it looks OK. Uh, it doesn't have the frame loss problems, at least not so far. It doesn't have the frame loss problems that the original game had. Uh, so it looks like they've kind of cleaned some of that stuff up. Uh, it's a shame it doesn't have all the PC lighting, but I'm not I'm not as butthurt about it as some other people are. Does it have big roly-poly onion armor? I'm sure it does, but I have not found it yet. <laughs> um, I, I guarantee you, it, it, it has that same kind of weird... Uh, vibe to it and like uh, you you can see other players you know as ghosts pretty frequently and i've seen some pretty damn bizarre people uh <laughs> wandering around out there and there there are some things that just never get old like touching people's blood stains and watching how they died i remember the yeah. <laughs> the starting town has a giant pit right in the center of it and when I got there, I walked over to that pit and like the first thing that came to my mind, I, I looked down in it and I can see there's a plank running down the middle and I see there's an item on the plank. And so naturally, the first thing I think is I'm like, well, I wonder if I can reach that. And so rather than jump down, I notice a blood stain right by the edge. And so I click it and it's somebody who decided to jump right in the spot where I would have and obviously died because you get to watch them sail down and collapse. And uh, it's like, oh, okay, don't do that. Well, that's like that's like the antisocial way of talking to other players about, you know, cool stuff or stuff to avoid in the game is you touch the bloodstains and that's almost like a tutorial for that particular spot or at least a tutorial on what not to do. There are so many. I don't know if there's just maybe an incentive to kill yourself there are so many blood stains in this game where you touch them and someone just runs right off a cliff. I've seen that as well. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't feel like I saw that many in the original Dark Souls, but in this one, every goddamn blood stain I see, they just they spawn in and they're just standing on the edge and you can see them like think about it for a minute and then they just roll off. 
<laughs> maybe they were away from their game and they didn't pause it and the cat killed them or something. Yeah, maybe they knew something I didn't. You, I mean, it's like your old Dark Souls. You can't pause it. There is no pause button per se. So, yeah. um, which makes it really terrifying. Uh, I'm always scared I'm going to like hit a friendly person or something like that. So I'm very, very careful with that game when I set the controller down and leave it alone. That's what I've been doing. I won't be doing much, but I will bet that I would be able to talk about the Diablo 3 expansion on our next podcast. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Ass- assuming we get it just in time. Then I should have you know a few hours to play around with it, and then we'll yeah. talk about that next week. We'll do some Reaper Souls next week, and then I don't really know what's going to go down with Infamous, but uh, I'll try and work it out and see what, see what we can do. I'm kind of busy right now with what I've got, but yeah. At the very least, I know I could finish Ground Zeroes. You'll be able to finish that no problem. It would be it would be pretty easy. Do it during a lunch break. I gotta go check out old Chico and Paz, my favorites. You're you're going to get to the ending of the the game and then be like. I should have just let Jay spoil that game for me because that was not even worth the try to the red box. Okay, we're we're gonna see. I'm gonna reserve it and uh, run out and pick it up during the week and uh, and check it out. All right. It's it's like three dollars. It's better than the thirty we already paid for it. Ah, uh, yeah. No, that, that certainly is a better price for this game. <laughs> but I don't know. But the more I think about it, the more I don't think I'd recommend it under any circumstances. Ouch! God, poor thing. <laughs> Well, here's to hoping. Look, if you if you know all the fucking mechanics are going to be in a game that's coming out anyway, then why not just wait for that? (laughs) It it really does sound like Link's crossbow training. Yeah, that's basically (laughs) what it is. It's Link's crossbow training. It's the closest comparison I could give. I mean, the the gameplay is good, but you know you're going to see it again and better in Phantom Pain. This is a waste of time. If you want to know what happens that badly, pick any Let's Play on YouTube. Jump to the last two minutes. And it will spoil the one even remote surprise in the entire fucking game. It isn't even much of a surprise. It's just hollow as shit. I actually hear they've been cracking down a little bit on Let's Plays, which I find funny because, like, it makes perfect sense because the Let's Play could literally encompass the entire game. Well, let me put it let me let me put it this way, man. If you played if you played Peace Walker, and at the end of the game, whatever you assumed happened to Paz, that's what happened to Paz. If you played Guns of the Patriots and you didn't see Paz in the game, and you assumed what happened to Paz before the game, that's what happened to Paz. Ah, now you, now spoiled. you, go, now you like went Terminator. and spoiled it. It's like Terminator. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm sorry I fucking spoiled that Paz fucking dies at the end of the game, well, even though she I... has no presence in any other game. Look, it's like Terminator fucking 3, right? Yeah, I, wrote, I wrote this in the review. It's like Terminator 3. Terminator 3, you know what happens to the human race. It is not a fucking spoiler. All right, well, now I'm going to play it because I really want to watch that bitch die. that came out wrong um it'd be better if it was like terminator 2 where at the end you know they give the thumbs up before they sink into the lava and right well i mean i mean it's the thing you know it's the thing terminator 3 as i say it was like a completely useless prequel to everything else that happened in the series like we all knew what happened right it wasn't a very good movie terminator Terminator 3 yeah it was a prequel at the very end of the game, you know what happens. At the, I mean, at the very end of the movie, you know what happens. Actually, you know what happens to the fucking human race in Terminator. Guess, without, just, without what happens in Terminator 3, no other Terminator movie can happen. Now, is Terminator Salvation a prequel? Terminator Salvation is not a prequel. It's a, it's a sequel. But But technically, it takes place before the timeline of Terminator because 
because it, Kyle no, Reese because comes it, back, listen, and that's listen, when the listen. and that's when the timeline of Terminator. But, let, let, let's let's consider it like this: the Metal Gear Solid series, right? That whole thing couldn't happen without Big Boss becoming who he was, right? The Terminator series, that entire thing couldn't happen without Kyle Reese becoming who he was. Terminator 3 shows you how Kyle Reese becomes who he was, and it ends with the fucking destruction of mankind. You know exactly what happens for the entire Terminator mythology, and you know Terminator 1 and 2 cannot exist without that mythology of Terminator 3. That's the time loop that Terminator 3 sets up. So yes, it's a sequel to 2, but it's a prequel to everything because of, because of the way the timeline is set up. And you already kind of know that shit. Right. So you go to the see this movie and you're like, why are you telling me what I already know? Why are you telling me that the human race dies and all this shit? Why did I come and watch this movie? Why did I waste my time on it? Why did I waste my fucking money? That's the comparison I'm making here. I'm I'm seriously like super pumped to play this game now. Just see if it lives (laughs) up to this this uh, this statement of yours. Uh, If I come back and I'm like, you were so right, then perfect. But I have a feeling I'm going to love it because I fucking hate paths. All right. Well, I'm thrilled. And now I have to now I have to write that we spoiled Terminator three when we post this too. So that's <laughs> that's just great. Nobody well, cares. Should we wrap this old old, uh, old shoe up? Yes. Well, hey, hey there, partner. If Hello. you're uh, if you're listening to this here podcast and you'd like to uh, read some words to go with it, go visit our website. It's enemieslime.com. Uh, you should check it every day. If you're not checking it every day, you're a bad friend to the program and uh, shame on you. You can, If you don't feel like checking it every day, then the least you could do is you could follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, both of those are uh, The Enemy Slime on either of those services. Uh, so go check that out. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a little rating if you want. Go into iTunes and click the little, click the little five star or four star. I don't. I don't know how many stars it is, but give us give us the highest stars. Just because I said so, we may not deserve it, but you should you should do it. No reason to take stars away from us. Yeah, don't be an ass. Go and go and click the five. Jesus. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can send us an email. We are at contact at enemyslime dot com, and uh, I think that's I think that's my spiel. And just remember that machines will take over, and that the Terminator franchise can't happen. Unless Sir Connor's son, Kyle Reese, goes ahead and liberates humanity and sends the Terminator back into the past. Just get some others out of the way here. King Kong falls off the building and he dies. Uh, Neo, Je- Neo dies. Jesus Jesus gets uh, gets crossified. And, uh, um, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Here's another spoiler. Apparently the Thief art book is more fun than Thief. No, that's true. We forgot to talk about that. Well, you were able to you were able to open the book and you were able to read it from beginning to end. So really, it defeated Thief the game. Yeah, it did. Congrat- it really did. Congratulations, Thief! If you've been waiting for that Thief review, I honestly don't know uh, what will ever happen with it. Uh, it's been what did you say today, Jason? Four patches <laughs> and the game still doesn't work. Yeah, about four, maybe five patches. Game still doesn't work. It works further than it did before, but that's not much more because I got to a new point and the game now is running shitty again. We turned around Lightning Returns, so we got one out of three, which is pretty good. Square Enix. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That's not bad. But uh, yeah, hey, we're still here, and we said we wouldn't be so. Uh, thanks again for listening. We, we love you dearly. And uh, go buy the Thief Art book, I guess. Yes, go buy the Thief Art book. Goodbye. We're out. Out we go.